Welcome back, everyone, to episode 11 of the Rally Report podcast. Got a seasoned pro, pro joining us today, two-time U.S. national champion, two-time gold medalist for the 2019 Pan Am Games, former Dartmouth grad, and now co-founder of the Rye Eyewear. Welcome, Chris Hansen. How are you, man? I'm um, great, Sean. How are you doing? Good, good. Might be a huge assumption here, but it seems you've taken a step back from the tour lately. I haven't really seen you around other than, I think the last time you played was the World Champs in Chicago. Are you sure I played in that? <laughs> I was there very, <laughs> I was there very quickly, but um, yeah, you know, it's um, the pandemic hit, and uh, I, you know, for lack of a, a better way of, of saying it, decided to take a little break, uh, especially in 2020. Um, yeah. After the Pan Ams in 2019, uh, I was having some some lower back uh, pain and issues, and, and decided it was a good time to to really put the racket down for a little bit, heal those up. Um, and then on top of that, it's just, uh, it's just been tough. It's been tough, uh, with pro squash in general. Um, you know, I commend all the, all the players who are out there pushing it still, but, um, just competing in the tournaments with the way, uh, COVID has gone, it's definitely been difficult. So, um, it was a, it was a good time for me to, to take a step back and, um, be at home and, and, uh, you know, enjoy not being on tour just for a little bit. So definitely, definitely a step back. I enjoyed playing at worlds, but, uh, it was a quick trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, was it tough to put it down initially? Cause I know you, it seemed like you were hitting your stride, especially during that period of 2016 to 20, that three year period sure. with a back-to-back title, national titles and, you know, just moving up the ranks as well. Were you, um, irritated by the injury? Yeah, you know, I, I it, it, honestly the injury was was uh, not an, not an excuse, but um, I I was struggling after Pan Ams. Uh, it was such a big high for us to go uh, to Lima and and uh, win two golds. I mean, I I had never won a gold at Pan Ams. Uh, you know, the, the girls do so spectacularly well uh, over the years, uh, winning golds, yeah. and I think the men's team had a lot to to catch up to at least uh, or at least try and. It was it was so awesome to win uh, even the first gold in doubles uh, with Todd, and then to follow it up uh, and win on the team team level with with Andrew as well. Um, after that, I, 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 I kind of struggled a little bit. I I obviously I, I have my ranking goals that I I wanted to go after, but um, it was just such a high that I found that fall I was I was really struggling with with training and and being at events. Uh, you know, it was just. Uh, it was it was tough. So yeah. uh, I, I actually don't think, you know, I, I would rather not not a pandemic at all, but it wasn't a tough time for me to, to take a little step back. I think by yeah. January, February of 2020, I was I was needing a break uh, regardless. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way a lot of the Pan Am athletes feel um, or any athletes who compete through the summer. Uh, when you yeah. add a summer schedule to a to a lengthy PSA season in general, it just uh, you just get tired. You just get tired. So. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, as far as my career goes, yeah, it, it's definitely a tough time to, to take a break. Um, but I think when you know it's needed, it's just, you just have to accept that. Are you gearing up for a comeback soon or are you still, <laughs> you never, you never, you never leave a comeback, uh, you know, out of the question, but, um, uh, you know, it's been, it's been tough. I think what I found that I miss the most is not really the tournaments. I miss training. Uh, I miss being around the guys and the girls and uh, having good hard sessions every day. And I don't know, it's fun. It's fun working towards, uh, you know, your goals together day in and day out. Um, for me, I was, I was never a huge fan of, of the events. 
Uh, not that I didn't like to compete, but um, they're just hard. They're really hard. And, um, you know, that part I, I don't don't miss too much. Um, so, yeah, it's really the day in, day out training that, that was always the most fun. Yeah. Wait, so speaking of training, where are you located right now? So I live, um, I live in uh, Center City in Philadelphia. Um, so I'm right across the street, actually, from the Racquet Club uh, of Philly, where um, I do some training with uh, Amanda Sobe, Sabrina Sobe, um, a couple of my friends from college live in the area. Um, it's been it's been really nice, especially with the with the pandemic, since it's such a small club, and um, you know, kind of allowed uh, me to start doing a little little training and, and get back into it. But uh, I am about a 30 minute walk from the Spectre Center. So that's where um, I'm at. Yeah, so I was, I was about to follow up with that question. Of, yeah. Have you been training at the Spectre Center as well? Or, you know, with a the, lot of all the American players are moving sure, over there as a hub. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's been it's been an interesting transition for everybody on, on Team USA with the Spectre Center opening up. It's such a it's such an incredible place, I mean, uh, to train at. It's just everybody's at a different point in their career. Um, you know, the pandemic kind of coincided with, launching uh, our business um and it's just my my schedule is now a little little different than than it used to be uh in terms of during the day so unfortunately i can't get over to the center quite as much as i would like um especially mm-hmm. just during the regular work hours but um I, I i do try to get over there i was getting over there a little more uh in the summer and the early fall and then you know things happen and yeah. schedules get crazy so um you know I, I i'm hopeful that in the new year i can i can start to uh pop over there a little more, be a part of some of the training sessions. Um, cause I love to see some of the, some of the young guys and, and girls really, uh, come through and, and, uh, I don't know, it, it would be fun to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to see the Specter Center center opening up and Philly becoming a really hub for us squash and just us squash in general. But it's been interesting. I think I talked with Andrew about this too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we see a lot of success on, the, the women's side for the U.S. squash, but we haven't really seen a lot of success in the men's side since, you know, you, Todd, Andrew, Chris Gordon. Do you think there's a specific reason to why we haven't seen as much success? It's a good, it's a good question. And I, I think even, you know, uh, I would, I wouldn't compare me and me and Gordo and Todd to the top girls yet, because clearly they're making inroads, you know, Amanda's three, uh, Sabrina, Olivia, Olivia are all in, you know, top, top 20. Um, it's just incredible to, to see. Um, it's a good question. I don't know if it's explainable other than we need to have more guys coming through the system. Um, I think they had a nice, uh, group of girls coming through in similar times to follow each other's footsteps. Um, if you think of the, the kind of the break between me and Todd to the next generation, the next generation is Andrew, Timmy and, um, uh, and Spencer, uh, and, and those guys are seven, eight years younger than us, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, there's a huge lapse there between the system kind of bringing more players consistently through for us to try to, to essentially find the person who is going to be able to achieve those levels. Um, yeah. but you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's everybody everybody's different you know for so long we were training all with different coaches and i think it'll be interesting to see if we can build a system at the center that allows for that faster development uh of players um you know to try to to try to bring a guy along and and get them to the top 20 you've been a part of u.s squash for quite some time now and 
Do you think they've supported you or just supported people who want to go professional in the U.S. appropriately, or do you think they need to be doing a better job of that? I mean, in my personal opinion, I think they've done a great job. I think everything is everything is relative. You know, when I started out, the funding was what it was, and it was kind of all over the place. We didn't really know, uh, you know, who's getting what, why they're getting this, you know, who, where we're supposed to be, are we supposed to be doing anything for U.S. squash? It was, it was very, uh, it was at the starting point of of getting this going, and. I mean, compared to most other federations, we are funded incredibly well. And that has only gotten better uh, over the last 10 years. And, and it's been a fun thing to be a part of to try to grow that. And obviously, there's always going to be growing pains with these kinds of things. But um, honestly, it's, it's, it's been constant support from the, from the standpoint of we're trying to figure out how to do right by the athletes. And we're trying to get better. We can't always do that. But, you know, we're making, we're making our best effort. Um, and I think that's important. I think that's important, right? Because again, the, the, the way squash and, and the whole kind of pro tour works is it's just, it's not elevated to the level of tennis yet where you can do well on prize money. You need that sport, whatever it may be. And, and I think U.S. squash has done a great job. Yeah. So you initially turned pro in 2013 yeah. after you graduated from Dartmouth and was it always in the plan for you to go professional or is that something that was made up? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, uh, 2010 is when I started playing PSA. So I started playing in college. Um, I went and played in the summers and got mm -hmm. rock, which was incredible. Uh, had, had literally zero idea because honestly, the way college was then uh, is not, I don't think, anywhere near where the college level is now with, with uh, some of the kids coming through and already being at a certain level. So um, I went and got my teeth cut, uh, you know, pretty early in college on the pro tour and guys that I thought I was better than, uh, on, you know, just, just looking at their swings and, and everything, they were just willing to work so much harder than me. Right. And, and I didn't know what the pro pro ethos was, what the lifestyle was like. And I thought I would just walk, walk over people and didn't even come close. So, um, so that was a wake up call, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I, as soon as, soon as everybody in college started doing, um, you know, recruiting and looking for internships, I was just focused on how do I how do I successfully launch my career once I graduate from here and uh, working with uh, my coaches to figure out the best way to do that. So, yeah, it was it was pretty much always in the cards. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a personal interest of me. I, I'm curious because just because of simply how little money there is in the sport of squash, I was wondering, did you map out your career when you were like, I'm going to turn professional? Did you we, foresee yourself to be in the position you are in right now? Yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think you can always look back and say I could have done things a little, little differently, a little better, planned a little more. But um, you know, at the time uh, I graduated, just as I had uh, tore my hamstring, so it was perfect timing to sit there and think about myself <laughs> and uh, if yeah. I should actually do this first of all, and then uh, second of all, uh, when when I can actually play again and go through all this rehab and everything. Um, you know, what do I need? What are, what are the tools that I need? And I spent that time developing a lot of great relationships with, with some early sponsors and um, just, just built a, almost my own fan base around kind of my career and saying, look, you know, I need help. Uh, you can support my career. Help me get off the ground. Help be a part of it um, because here's my goals. Um, you know, and people respond very well to being a part of your team, right? I never asked mm -hmm. people for money and said, now go away, 
right? Like it, no one responds to that. I wanted people to be on the journey with me. Um, and that's how I got the best uh, response from, I don't know, so many wonderful people who have, who have supported me over, over the years. And, you know, I think if you start with that, you know, again, all the other planning, you know, is, is, is what it is, but you need a great, great base of support to do, to do this kind of professional sport. So were you always thinking of getting sponsorships? Is that like one of the top priorities for you? Yeah, I think, I think everybody, everybody's different, but I mean, my, the way, the way I think about it is, is trying to run yourself as a small business, right? How do you, mm. how do you give value to somebody else? before you think about what they can give back to you, right? Like, of course I want a racket sponsorship and I need shoes and I need money and I need all this. But, you know, the first question I always ask myself is why, why should anybody give you anything? Right. Uh, and to me, I, I tried to take that into every exhibition, every sponsorship that I said, you know what, they're looking for the most energy possible for me, the best effort and for everybody to, to, I don't know, get, get something out of my, just my being there. Right. Um, and so that's how I'd always pitch either companies or individual sponsors, whoever it may be, uh, and make them feel like, you know, I'm just as invested in what they're going to get as hopefully they're invested in me. And if they, and if they, you know, wasn't the right fit, then there's, there's no hard feelings, but, you know, I, I try to shy away. I don't, I don't like to hear some athletes when they say, I deserve this, I need this, you know, well, of course yeah. you do, but everybody needs something. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that's just kind of the way I thought about it. All right. Speaking of your time at your time at Dartmouth, I saw that you're part of the Sphinx Senior Society and Alpha Delta Fraternity. You want to tell us? And you were obviously coached under the legendary Hanzi, and I think a lot of people on Instagram were curious to hear about stories from your time at Dartmouth. If you could share some, that would be fantastic. Yeah. No. I I I loved every second of of yeah. uh, going to Dartmouth. I had a great time. I think. For me, and, and there there are people out there who say a lot about, well, like, you know, if you go to school, you're passing up on those four years of, you know, getting your pro, pro career off the ground and this, that, and the other, lots of things. Um, at the time, I just tried to do it all. I tried to play as much squash as I could. Uh, Hansi became, you know, incredibly close to me. He was at my wedding a few months ago, um, became a mentor and, you know, just a, a very close friend. But then... At Dartmouth, I had the ability to also go completely outside of squash, right, and meet new people that, again, I, I never would have met growing up and come from all different backgrounds. And uh, I was lucky to be able to join Alpha Delta fraternity and and you know get get picked to be in in Sphinx. It was it was really fun. It was very it was very different from uh, being on the squash team where. Um, you know, even, even though you're on a team, you're, you're playing an individual sport. You go, you go to battle by yourself at the end of the day, it comes down to you, uh, you know, whether you can perform or not. And, and these experiences outside of that were so, so great for me. They, they really, they really helped balance how hard I was, I was trying to get better at squash with something that allowed me to, to unburden a little bit and enjoy, you know, what everybody else was doing at Dartmouth. Um, you know, I, 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 I cherish those those moments off court just as much as uh, what I was able to do at Dartmouth on court. Yeah, wait, I certainly so, had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> wait, tell us about the Sphinx Senior Society. I didn't, sure. know, I didn't really know what that was. Yeah, so I mean, Dartmouth has has uh, senior societies, and um, you know, every every all of them have some different ethos, and and uh, I can't tell you what 
goes on in Sphinx per se, or else they would kick me out. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a group of, uh, of, of guys at Dartmouth. Um, at least mine was, was an all male one. Um, and we just have a lot of the same values, right? A lot of the same thoughts about service to the community and, um, you know, how we show uh, our appreciation of Dartmouth and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really just, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a group of like-minded individuals who, um, you know, find ways to give back to the community. So I, I, all these things off the court were, were incredible, but, but again, that was, that was, that was my senior year. I mean, Alpha Delta was probably even closer to me than, than Sphinx just because I was there sophomore, uh, junior and senior year. And that was, that was really incredible. Um, to this day, um, you know, some of my best friends, uh, are from, uh, AD at my wedding. Um, you know, so it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that uh, maybe I'm a poster boy for college squash, but I mean, getting, getting the full experience is just incredible. Um, you know, and I think there, I think there's a way to do it. I think if you're, if you're diligent, you can play squash at a very high level. You can do well in school um, and you can have a great time. Um, it's not easy by any means. You know, I, I think at any given time you could, you could find yourself doing a little bit too much of, of one or the other. And, um, I've certainly seen that in, in some of my, my friends and I don't, I don't fault them for that, but I felt like I was able to walk that, that line for, for four years and it was great. I mean, it seems more and more kids are going to college squash and mm-hmm. making it work and doing fantastically well on the tour as well. Yeah. Was there a part of you that wanted to not go to college and go professional right away? Or is this, was this a debate within yourself or not really? I had I had these I had these like crazy transitions with my own squash when I was when I was like sixteen seventeen I I didn't even know if I wanted to keep playing squash I oh, was wow. like well I, I I was I was number two in the country by the time U nineteens my senior year and uh and I and I hate the fact that I wasn't enjoying my squash that much because uh you know I don't want to say I was I was number two and I didn't care. And it's not like I didn't care. I just wasn't enjoying it that much for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and, and kind of the turnaround for me was uh, I went to Dartmouth. I got there. Uh, I think earlier that summer, I had gone to see uh, John Power and Hansi. And Hansi, uh, at the time we still had scoring to nine, he beat me nine zero nine zero nine zero. And I went home and I essentially was like, okay, these guys just recruited you to an Ivy league school and this is the level of effort you're going to give them. This is, this is what you're bringing. Like it's just unacceptable. I, I just, I, I was very disappointed in myself at that time that I would be their number one recruit. And even though Hansi obviously was top 10 in the world, which I didn't even know at the time, <laughs> I, I, I was like, that's, that's just bad. That's just bad. And so um, just based on that, thought alone um i started training hard again and and something clicked and turned around and i and i really started enjoying it all again and um from there is when i started to kind of build up the momentum to say okay if you can do well in college you have a shot at doing well on tour um my my coach for for most of my uh most of my life was rod martin um so in in kind of conjunction with hansi we all spoke about you know you should, you should give the tour a shot. You know, you have a good shot to do well. It's not going to be easy, you know, but you know, you're, you do have a good shot to do well. So it was a conjunction of, of kind of that turnaround in college for me. Plus, uh, like I said, having the right support around that, that made me feel like I wanted to play. 
When was the first time you beat Hansi? Or- That's a good question. I probably should have written down the date uh, and fra- <laughs> framed my racket and uh, and sent it to him or something for his birthday. But uh, I don't remember which year it was. It was in college, and um, uh, he was he wasn't happy. He definitely wasn't happy, but. He 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 just said next time I'm going to chop you as as he does. So um, we we've just had such a fun time uh, on court. He has such a different style, and I learned a lot from him. From um, you know just just opening myself up to a different perspective, which I I had never really done before. I was very very uh, close minded, um, you know, earlier on in my college career, and um, I think there's lots to learn from from every coach out there, and and he certainly had a lot to teach. So. Um, you know, I was open to that and we had a great, great relationship. Well, Chris, you mentioned about, you know, having those internal battles when you're younger. Did these, did you struggle with this during your careers? Like, I mean, throughout your career as well, or once you decided to go pro, you never looked back on that? Uh, you know, the only time that I had a really tough time was, uh, 2016. Uh, I started the year off playing uh, probably some of the best squash uh, that I played in my career. I started to beat some of the guys, uh, that were ranked in the top 50, top 40, uh, making some big runs, uh, you know, winning a little bit more. (laughs) Finally, you know, the first few years I was, I was like, you know, really excited and getting beat pretty badly, but, uh, I was finally starting to make some strides, getting my ranking up. Um, and June of 2016, I was in a car accident, uh, and sustained a concussion that, um, unfortunately, put me out of playing for about seven or eight months. Uh, and I, and, and it was, it was severe enough where I wanted to stop playing squash. Um, I was really struggling, uh, physically and mentally just to, to get myself to go down to the courts and, uh, you know, the, the lights, the sound of the ball was very jarring. Uh, and because of that, it was almost like a, it was almost like a vicious cycle where I was like, oh, I can't be here. I don't feel like being here. I don't want to do this anymore. And then I would be at home and I'd be like, well, if I'm not there, what am I doing? I don't, I don't know anything else but squash. So that was a really, a really tough time for me. And, and, uh, you know, I was lucky to have such, again, like I said, going back to the, the support, um, you know, my family was just like, look, take your time, take your time. Uh, and then one day Rob Martin just said, look, here's what we're going to do. You're just going to come down every day and you're just going to sit outside the back. You're going to watch everybody play we're just going to, we're just going to chat. We're not going to do anything. You don't have to play. Maybe you jump on the treadmill. Maybe you run for 20 minutes, get a little sweat. That's all you're going to do, but you're going to do it every day. Um, and very slowly I, I got myself kind of out of this funk that I was in that I just, I, I couldn't tell if it was, you know, physical or mental. And eventually, um, you know, they helped me get out of it. Uh, and funnily enough, that was that was December that I finally started getting back into it, and I won my first nationals three months later in March. Uh, wow. You know, and, and I guess yeah. it was a quick turnaround because I I attributed it completely to he was just like, look, you literally have nothing to lose. I think I think I think when I was going into nationals in March, he said something along the lines of, look, you probably are not going to win, so just enjoy yourself for once. Like you you put yeah. so much pressure on. There's there's no pressure here. You haven't been, you haven't been, you know, training for months and months for this. Uh, you're still, you know, at a certain level where you can compete. Um, you know, just, just, just enjoy it. And I end up winning. 
right? And yeah. it, it's crazy. It's crazy how that how that happens. But a long 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 winded uh, way and story of of that was probably the 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 one time in my career where I really was like I don't I don't know if I want to or can play anymore. So. Mm-hmm. Well, so that that first national title you beat. Um, so Andrew Douglas in the final? Yep. How did it feel? Because, I mean, I'm sure he was just coming up in the – he kind of came out of nowhere Yeah. the senior scene. No, uh, totally. Was there pressure considering the age gap difference? You know, it's funny. That, that whole tournament was uh, was interesting. I didn't feel great in the early rounds, but I pushed through. And my, my I think my, my biggest challenge there, not that the finals wasn't a huge challenge, but I don't think I had ever beat Chris Gordon before. And we played in the semifinals, uh, and I, I believe it was this. I believe it was this year. I, I'm pretty sure it was this year. I was up to love, and I was playing phenomenally. I gotten all the jitters out in the in the round of 16 and quarterfinals. Up to love, he just just kind of laces it up, sticks in, wins the next two games, and I, you know, was like, oh no, here we go. Got off to a good start in the fifth, and just you know, just pushed away, chipped away and won it. But for me, that was such a huge moment to, to overcome him. Cause we're, we're very close. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't expect him, uh, now or ever. And I didn't then to ever give me an inch and he doesn't. Um, so for me to be actually able to, to beat him, uh, in that tournament, cause nationals is just so important to us, uh, yeah. you know, from, from a kind of an emotional level, um, you know, to finally beat him there, I was, I was, I was very, I was very proud of myself for, for pushing through that. Uh, and that actually probably almost gave me a little bit of, you know, I was relaxed in the final that I was like, okay, like you got through that, like, you know, Andrew, Andrew just beat Todd, you know, which is an incredible thing, but today he's not going to beat you. He's just not going to mm-hmm. beat you. You're just going to be here the whole time until you've won. That's it. You're just not going to lose this match. Right. And that's what Rod said to me as well. He was just like, you're, you're just not losing this. That's it. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, I, it was, it was, it was hard. It was a hard fought game. I felt like I had the right game plan going in to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, deal with some of his pushes. You know, I knew he would have this ebb and flow of this is, a, this is a big final. And, uh, you know, I could capitalize on some mistakes and then I would also have to defend against some of his, in, in, you know, incredible energy pushes. But, um, you know, I was, I was able to do it. And very weirdly, it was like deja vu the next year and the exact same thing happened. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. You know, I beat Chris in the semifinal. Andrew beat Todd again in the other semifinal mm. and I beat him 3-1 in the final. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, and I said to myself, I was like, you know what? Uh, and I, cause I, like I said, I, I wasn't feeling any pressure, but I did say to myself during both of those finals, I was like, you know what? He has a very long time to win this thing. I probably don't. So I'm going to take these two while I can get them, Andrew, and you can win it in like 20, 2025. Okay. <laughs> you can take a step back. Um, uh, also real quick as a lefty myself, I've always been curious. I think you're the first left-handed player I'm interviewing. How's that dynamic been? as a lefty on tour because we don't you don't really see a lot of lefties on tour yeah it's classic right people just pick yeah. on my backhand left right <laughs> and central and that's that's totally fine and um i think it's on it's always been on me to to strengthen that and get get better at it and um you know if i could go back i'd probably just solo practice backhand volleys for you know an eternity um yeah. because that's all people do but 
you know, I was lucky that I, uh, for pretty much my entire professional career, was training with Ryan Koskelly, um, you know, one of the best lefties, uh, and, and learned so much from him on how to, how to deal with, with this kind of thing and, and where to capitalize as a lefty, um, you know, with, with little forehand kills on the left side and um, just trying to, you know, even in the last few years, utilize the, the backhand lob better to, to completely neutralize people just sending balls over the right-hand side of the court all the time and not, not, not trying so hard to be like, oh, well, maybe I just need to hit my backhand even harder than they do, right? Instead, be like, oh, I can, I can neutralize this completely by just saying, like, whatever they put over to the right side, it just needs to go back in a way that they can't attack it. Um, you know, so it was, it was always awesome getting to, to learn from him. He was, he was such a special player. Yeah. And I mean, moving on now, I'd be remiss not to mention the rye eyewear. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm so curious about this. Yeah. How, how did the launch begin? Has this some, been something on your mind always? Or also, was it for the purpose of squash? Because I know there's other yeah, products sure. for tennis and pickleball as well. Yeah, no, I try, I'll, I'll try, to, try to shorten it up because um, it is a bit long. I, I, I will admit that when I graduated from college, I was excited not to wear goggles anymore as a professional player. Um, and then I, I got to nationals 2014 was my first nationals, us nationals. And they were like, well, you have to wear eyewear here. And I was like, that's BS. Like I'm a professional player. This is ridiculous. I probably caused, you know, a, a, a ruckus and like, you know, gave, gave them an incredibly hard time. And what do you know? I ended up launching an eyewear company a couple of years later, but um, it really came out of like, I played those nationals, and I was just not happy with the level of performance that any of the eyewear out there was giving me, given the fact that we've seen these incredible companies innovate in rackets and shoes and things are getting so much better on that front. Uh, for me, I was like, well, isn't, isn't how you see the ball uh, just as important as how you hit it and how you move? Uh, if I can't see because my glasses have fogged or because, you know, yeah. they've, they've scratched a million times, um, you know, I can't see the ball properly. I'm not going to time it properly and I'm not going to move properly. So again, my investment in my rackets and my shoes are, are kind of lessened, uh, you know, from an, from an effective standpoint because I can't see the ball properly. And I just, I, look, I, I come from, you know, when I was in juniors, uh, you could wear Oakley's, uh, Oakley's doesn't pass the squash specific, uh, safety standard. So you can't wear those when you play. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So, so that's why I, Technically, you, you should not wear Oakley's when you play squash. Same thing with Rudy Project. And these are big, big, you know, uh, eyewear companies that build wonderful products, but none of it's for squash, right? They're focused on cycling, running, all these other bigger sports. Um, so for me in like 2016, 2017, uh, I was just like, I've had enough. I, I, think I, I think I can figure out how to make them better, right? Make a higher performing pair of eyewear that I would actually like to wear. You know, go after anti-fog, uh, go after the breakage issue, uh, build something that's that's more of an investment in my performance um, and that I could wear for, for a really long time and take care of. The same way I used to take care of my Oakleys when I was a kid, right? Um, so I actually ended up teaming up with uh, a buddy of mine, Jordan Kemp. Uh, he played uh, college tennis at Trinity for, for Paul Asayante, who was actually the tennis coach at the time. So just very small world. Um, we went to middle school together and, you know, he played for Paul and I'm very close with Paul. So it's just, it was just funny when we, when we regrouped. Um, 
And so Did you reach out to him or was this just like a conversation you guys were having and we're like, you know what, this would be a great idea. Yeah. So we, had, we, we, we had stayed very close and, and he wanted to, uh, he wanted to get into working with startups and he was doing that in New York city, um, with a couple of startups in, in, uh, much different spaces, uh, than the eyewear space, but, but he was doing some consumer stuff. Uh, and I said, Hey man, let me, let me take you for sushi. Let me tell you about this idea. See what you think. Um, took him for sushi. Uh, and he's, had a great chat and essentially he was like, let me think about it. Like we'll do a little research and we'll see, like, maybe I'll help you for a little bit. Here we are like four or five years later and he's my 50, 50 partner. And, uh, you know, that's how it works out. Right. So, uh, it was yeah. just, it was just so great when, when, uh, we decided to do this together officially. Um, but, but how we did it was, was, was essentially, um, you know, where, where's the best eyewear in the world made, uh, for us, we thought it was Italy. Um, mm-hmm. which, which we still believe, uh, the best sports eyewear is, is coming out of, uh, out of Italy. It's, uh, mostly, mostly the innovation is around cycling and running in the esports. And, and we were like, how do we take that innovation and we put it into, to squash? Because again, my thought is that squash players are some of the hardest worker working athletes in the world. They're going, you know, so fast, so hard for so long, they need the best stuff. Right. Um, so we found a lens maker. Uh, we found a frame maker. We, you know, did all our own designs for it. Um, we were getting ready to go and COVID hits. <laughs> so we had at the same time, um, because we wanted to, eventually we were like, look, it's, this is not just a product. We want to build a business around yeah. better performing, uh, you know, call it eyewear, but uh, to do sunglasses as well. So we had been planning um, to launch a line of tennis and pickleball sunglasses um, which we ended up doing instead of our squash eyewear first, um, just because the pandemic pretty much shut every indoor sport down. It was just, yeah. it just wasn't right for our business to, to try to launch. Um, you know, I wasn't playing, uh, you know, a lot of my friends weren't playing, you know, just said, I got to take time off. And at the same time, tennis and pickleball participation went up 25% in 2020 and just mm-hmm. took off. And we were like, look for a business. Uh, we have to launch this product first. Uh, and so we did. So we launched in the summer of 2020. Um, you know, I, again, I have a proud moment. We sold out uh, our, our first year of inventory. We sold it out in two months. Um, wow. And I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. Um, and it was, it was incredible. It was incredible. Because, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very different feeling than, than being on court and expressing yourself through, through a game. Um, now it's through a product and, I can tell you, you, you have these jitters that, you know, you're about to launch and you think nobody's going to like it. So yeah. it was, it was awesome. Uh, and it's been I mean, awesome. I think it's so cool, especially with squash players. I think Paul Cole is launches his, uh, clothing brand. I think with you, with the rye eyewear, I think it's very fascinating. And I will, the one thing I'm curious about is how you go about marketing squash goggles, just because I think a lot of people have very specific opinions about goggles. I think a lot of people are excited to get off the goggles once they uh, graduate sure. their junior years. So how do you go about marketing that? Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I mean, I, uh, I wear my own products. I don't, I don't shy away from that. And, you know, again, I built the product so that I could wear it. So every time I'm on, I'm on court, I mean, I feel like these don't interrupt my game whatsoever. I've played with, with, uh, glasses on for the last two years now, since we, since we launched the company. Um, you know, my feeling is, is, is you should not have to sacrifice your performance for your safety uh, and vice versa, right? 
I mean, again, we have we have these examples over the years of people getting hit in the eyes. Daryl Selby now wears yeah. glasses. He wears one of our models actually, um, because he someone hit a behind the back ball into his eye. I mean, this kind of stuff happens. And look, I, I I'm not here to preach about like look, pros have to wear this kind of thing. I just thought it was unacceptable that if you wanted something that protected you for squash, you had to choose something that didn't perform to the standard that all these other sports have great, great right. glasses for. Right. And so that was always my thought. And, and that really goes to the technical side of, of how do we address anti-fog? How do we address the eyewear breaking or slipping? You know, how do we, how do we really have the best optics for somebody? And, and that's kind of what we're leading with, uh, with our marketing um, and again, I mean, it's mostly a college and, and junior play. I mean, I think we, we're going to get a lot of uh, adult amateurs who, who also believe in, in eyewear. But um, for us, again, the way I look at the, the, the kind of stuff that's out there is that people are okay with buying a $30 pair, snapping it a month later, and just buying it again. I don't, I don't, I don't, I want you to yeah, buy I know our what stuff. You mean. Yeah, I want you to buy our stuff, and I don't want to see you for four years. Uh, see you later. Right. And yeah. so the way, that's the kind of the way we think about it, because you shouldn't have to be repeat buying glasses. Right. That's not that's not the business we're in. Um, yeah, that's true. The amount of goggles I think I've gone through just within the four years at college. Oh, yeah. Like totally. everything breaks, the side breaks, everything. Yeah, that's, and that's so true. That's that's where we're, we're, we're coming from. And I mean, that's that's why we sit at a different price point than everybody else. And, um, you know, the other part of our model is is that like. I understand squash and kids and maybe even not kids. Everybody potentially does something to their lenses, right? So we built this pair to be interchangeable in such a way where if you break your lenses or you, well, you can't really break your lenses, but if you scratch your lenses, you need new ones. You can replace them with us for less than the cost of a new pair of any of our competitors' eyewear. Mm -hmm. 30 bucks, right? So for me, I, again, the model is built such that this is sustainable for somebody to have that performance over five, ten years, right? You don't have to reinvest yeah. every single year in a new pair of, of, uh, of goggles. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully the college squash kids who are tuning into this podcast, <laughs> here's this segment and goes, yeah. gets themselves a pair of sure. eyewear with the new, is it the Model 2 that you guys just launched? Model 2, yeah. 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 No, it's fun. It's, 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 it's been really fun. It's been fun balancing building product. I, I like building product. Uh, I think it's really fun with uh, building the actual business. That's obviously been uh, an incredible experience as well. Totally different from, from being on tour. And, um, you know, I, again, like, like you mentioned with Paul's line of clothing, I recommend this for, for any player to get out there and, and think about ways to, to build their own companies, build their own products and this kind of thing. Cause it's not easy. Uh, it forces you to think a lot differently than how you think about things when you're on tour, right? It's, it's, it's very different and it's very rewarding. Um, so, you know, it's been, it's been a really fun few years doing this. Yeah. No. Have you guys thought about sponsoring squash players with Rye Eyewear or? Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I'll tell you like with the, with the global supply chain, um, it's been really, uh, it just lengthened our, our, uh, our process a little getting, getting this model launched. Um, you know, we were on track for August, September for a good period of time. And then just, you know, things, things got tough in 2021, um, yeah. you know, just with, with supply chain. And so we launched our, our first run uh, earlier this um, uh, earlier this month for Christmas. We, we finally got it here, but 
um, yeah, as we enter 2022, we're, we're, uh, we're definitely going to be looking to sponsor, uh, some college players, some juniors. Um, you know, I, I think we'll probably do some of the doubles guys. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't view any of the pros, uh, on the, on the singles tour as, as being wildly interested in this, but, but, you know, I, I sponsor myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we better see, uh, see more of you at the tour then. (laughs) I know. I might have to make a comeback. I might have to make a comeback. I can't. I can't be letting Spencer and Timmy and these boys beat me up just yet. So, <laughs> a couple more years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, Chris, um, we're gonna move on to something. I could do the quick fire segment where I just sure. ask you a bunch of quick questions and just want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, thoughts on best of three? Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Very entertaining. You think that uh, the tour should be incorporating more best of three tournaments? for the higher platinum levels? I do, at least for maybe some of the early rounds. I think it would be very entertaining. Um, I think it potentially makes uh, the finals, uh, semifinals, later rounds a little more, uh, have a little more energy. People are are not dead from, you know, 16, five gamers before that. So um, I I think it'd be great. Well, okay. Actually, to follow up on that, do you think uh, these tournaments should require rest days in between because it seems squash does not really have the you know i i would like to i would like to see it done more often almost as a test just to see if it if it is something that that uh behooves the players and uh can act a little more like the way tennis tournaments do uh where these players are getting a a significant amount of rest between matches and then they're obviously able to go 100 percent um so i think uh as far as uh testing it out a little more i'd love to see it I think obviously with the, with the COVID situation, they're trying to make tournaments as short as possible. But yeah. uh, you know, barring COVID, at some point, yes, that would be great. Got it. Um, usually, I ask this question, but I, don't, I think this is pretty straightforward. I usually ask thoughts on goggles and squash. <laughs> Love them. Sure I'm a huge advocate. <laughs> thoughts on soloing versus practicing in groups? Which do you prefer? Uh, practicing in groups. Um, commentators for squash. Uh, I mean, I love Joey and PJ and, and, uh, and Drew and, and, uh, I would love to, I would love to see some more people doing it. Um, not that they're not, uh, amazing, but it would just be fun to, to keep seeing more, uh, uh, more and more, uh, people do it. I think, uh, uh, I think Ashley Blake does well. She's great. Um, but again, I think there's so many funny people on the tour and, um, you know, if the timing was right, I would love to see. Uh, more of those personalities in the in the booth. It's just uh, it's just fun. Would you, would you consider doing commentating? I, I would give it a try. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have the chops, but I would certainly try. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thoughts on college squash? Uh, you know, I I was I was working with Dartmouth for uh, a couple of years uh, and just loving. I love the energy in college squash. I haven't gotten to in the last few years, so I haven't been quite up to date. But um, I just think the level uh, that's being produced in college right now and the, the competitiveness is is really something to watch. It's so much fun. Uh, I hope we continue to get more teams uh, across the, the, the college landscape playing, um, you know, come down south, go out west. Uh, I'm down in North Carolina right now. Um, I, I would love to see UNC and Duke have teams and battle it out with each other. I mean, that. Uh, you know, the college rival rivalry thing is just, is so incredible. So huge advocate for, for college squash growing. Do you, wait, do you follow along with what's happening right now or have you kind of, I do, I do. I mean, to, to, to some extent, um, yeah. 
you know, I think, I think, uh, I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but I think, uh, with college squash kind of, uh, being a little tumultuous with, uh, with some of the schools, uh, being virtual again and, um, Dartmouth, I don't think is going to have spectators this year. Uh, it's just a tough time. I think we're all just trying to, uh, get through together and, and see how we can do, do best and, and right by the kids who are playing, uh, cause they deserve it the most, but it's just, a, it's such a challenging time. Yeah. Uh, nicknames for PSA players. Uh, uh, I, controversially, I, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just not for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I think if something is very natural, like like people calling Federer or Fed or Nadal Rafa, like 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 or Joker, like those things seem very natural. But I, I think I think I think there's a little too much effort. I, I apologize if I hurt anybody's feelings on that, but not not for me. Not that I would ever get one either, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of people that I've interviewed so far have very mixed feelings about yeah, for yeah. squash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, thoughts on coaching post career? Um, you know, I, 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 it's not for me right now. Uh, it, just in terms of uh, taking on people for a significant period of time and trying to help them grow. I, I love doing clinics. I love doing exhibitions where I can come and be a part of somebody's community for a day or two. But um, I'm just not in the, the the place right now as, as a player or, or in my life where uh, I would take that on, but certainly down the road would, would love to work with some, some young players or, or teams. Um, but just, yeah, down, down the road. Yeah. Uh, a little more juicy ones. Most underrated player on tour right now. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm sitting at a 141 right now. Maybe it might be me. <laughs> it it be might you. be me. Uh, no, that's, a good, that's such a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I've been seeing the same faces in, in the PSA events right now. I haven't, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think you just, uh, well, I don't know if she's underrated, but, uh, Georgina Kennedy, who you just had on here, I've been following some of her results have been yeah. pretty crazy. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm excited to see her come through. Yeah, I spoke um, to her yesterday, and I think she's going to be ranked 17 in the new year. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, um, that's, that's so great. I was going to ask you most overrated player on tour, but I don't know if you want to answer that question. Oh, uh, back, back early, like earlier in the year when I was still like 65 in the world, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to switch the question. One player you dislike playing. Dislike on playing. Oh man, it's always giving you a hard time. Yeah, I, well, Todd and I have been battling since we were, I think, like seven years old, and I had such like a mental block against him for some reason. You know, I beat players that he would beat, and then he would, or sorry, that would beat him, and then he would come over and just smack me, and I'd be like, well, I don't understand why is there not That's some <laughs> why is there not some transitive property here where where I get to beat him now, right? So. I think he was always the hardest for me to play. Um, we had a yep. great match in the last Nationals that I played, 2019. He beat me 3-1 in the final. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would say hardest to play. I, I didn't enjoy it because I would beat myself up about it. But we we always, like, I was so respectful of each other. And, and he's been a, yeah. a great friend for, for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Best college squash player as of now? 
man, see, this is where I got to get caught up on college squash. Um, I mean, I think it, unless, unless, unless I'm totally mistaken, it has to be Victor Cruin. Uh, just, he's just taking it to another level. I mean, he's going to another yeah. level on PSA, which is so much fun yeah. to watch. He's such a nice guy. And, um, you know, in the last year or so of, of playing on tour before the pandemic started, um, I got to go to a couple of events with him and he, he's just, he's just, I don't know. It sucks because he's so nice, right? Yeah. You know, he's better, he's better than you and you want him to be mean and, and not be nice, but he's, he's great. So, um, yeah, yeah definitely. I know he's closing out his college squash career, but, yeah. uh, I mean, his, his trajectory over college has been, has been awesome. Yeah. And no, I'm excited to see him after he graduates as well. Definitely. Um, uh, all right, so we're going to move on to some life-related ones. Uh, favorite place you visited through squash? Uh, I would say uh, Guatemala City. Um, my favorite tournament by far. Nicest people in the world. I had the best time. I mean, it's one of those events that you don't know about until you go. Um, it's at the Sporta Club. And it's one of those invaluable ones where you say this 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 kind of event is... is uh, makes all the other parts of squash, you know, the money, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. It's an experience. Um, yeah. you know, it took me around the city, took me to different parts of the, of the country. Um, and just treated me like family. I mean, it was, it was, it was wild. I never had that before. Uh, and it was, it was, it was just great. Um, uh, alcohol drink of choice. Uh, probably, uh, uh, just a cold beer, man. Just a cold beer. Uh, what's your favorite beer? Stella. Probably yeah. Stella. Yeah. Just very simple. Straight, straight to the point, easy. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee, coffee. Big coffee. Yeah. Um, biggest fear? Ooh. Uh, biggest, I probably I, that I will regret not doing something either in my mm -hmm. career of squash or professionally um, that I didn't try hard enough. Biggest pet peeve? Hmm. Um. Oh man, I don't know. I, I I don't think I can say one of these without sounding pompous. Um, <laughs> like if I said like I don't like when people have typos, that's that's just silly. Um, oh, you know I I don't like it when someone cuts me off in traffic and then doesn't just at least put their hand up and say sorry. <laughs> Come on, I don't I don't care. Are, if are you a rage driver, Chris? I rage for for a tiny second and then I let it go. I just get sad. I'm like, why can't you just why can't you just say you're sorry? It's not. Come on. <laughs> It's not hard to do. Not hard. Um, um, tennis or squash? Ooh, from uh, well, I don't know why. Paul, squash, a hundred percent. I love tennis. I grew up with tennis, playing tennis, mm -hmm. watching tennis. Um, I go to the U.S. Open every year that I can. Um, but even having played squash professionally, I, I just I love watching squash. I love watching yeah. what the what the guys and the girls are doing these days and the level they're going to. So mm -hmm. definitely squash. Uh, favorite movie? Um, oh my God, I, I someone just asked me this the other day. Um, let's go. Uh, let's go. The Hobbit. It's a good one. Uh, favorite song? Uh, Lose Yourself, Eminem. <laughs> um, what job or sport if it weren't for squash? I would probably sell the best eyewear in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, 
that's a good question. I uh, I think I, I I honestly at some point would love to be a college coach. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think of any college sport. Uh, it doesn't have to be squash. I just uh, the college has so much. Uh, the college games have so much energy. You know, yeah. young young talent who have just found like these incredibly like athletic bodies that they are now growing into and have so much potential. Uh, and you need to you need to foster that the right way. Uh, it would it would just be fun. Favorite non squash athlete? Uh, Roger Federer. Yeah, yeah. And favorite squash athlete as of now? Oh, um, hmm. Probably Amr Shabana. Um, yeah. You know, just as a lefty, just. I don't know. He was he was part of that generation yeah. of Egyptians that just paved the way and uh, unbelievably classy as he did it. Mm. Um, just fun to watch, always. Yeah. How about favorite squash player to watch right now? Uh, I, I'm really enjoying watching Paul Cole. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean his his level of concentration is is otherworldly right now, and mm. um, I think a lot of people have said over the years, uh, you know, things about his technique and, uh, I mean, you, you, you can't say that he hasn't worked so hard on that to, to be a pretty complete squash player right now. It's, it's, it's just really fun to watch. I know some of the other players probably are doing, you know, some things that are out of this world, but for him to put that together, um, to be where he is now, uh, I find that very entertaining, very entertaining. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, now I got two more questions for you. Mm-hmm favorite story from tour uh favorite story from tour is probably um you know hopefully this is hopefully this is all right um guatemala city uh myself um ryan caskelly uh peter creed and i think i think chris simpson was there um uh like i said they were they were treating us like family taking us out to all these events and things Ryan and I were late to one of them, um, and we took a cab. Uh, Neither neither of us speak Spanish. Um, uh, Ryan, despite the fact that his wife is from Argentina, his Spanish at the time was not great. Um, And so we ended up somewhere in the city that was not correct and both looked at each other, and I was like, I'm not getting out of this cab. I refuse. And Ryan's like, oh, we'll, we'll walk. We'll find it. I was like, no chance, dude. Absolutely not. Turned on my turned on my cell phone like I had it on airplane mode. I think it cost me at the time two hundred dollars to make this call. Didn't care, yeah. and we ended up keeping that cab and going twenty five minutes in a different direction to get to the actual place that was like within a gated community that was incredibly nice and was the right place. And I was like, dude, I'm never listening to you ever again. But later on in the night, we we had a like just you know incredible time with them end up going out to the clubs with them very late night it was really fun we ended up hitching a ride in the back of a pickup truck all the way back up the mountain to where we were staying in like open air at like 5 a.m and it was just uh it's just one of the things where you just sit there and you just say like yeah that was that was pretty fun. That was a good it was a time. Wild night, yeah. I'm I'm glad we didn't I'm glad we didn't get off where we thought we were getting off. <laughs> but it was it was fun and I uh, yeah, I mean most of my my time on tour with those guys, they're they're just such fun people off court as well that um, you know, every tournament was was pretty much fun, you know, win or lose. You know, that's that yeah. was the beauty of it. So And 
Favorite Hanzi story? Favorite Hanzi story? Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, just going to the first time I I I beat him. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, uh uh, his his racket did not make it out. <laughs> uh, he was absolutely steaming, and I was in like shock because while I was while I was beating him, I was like, uh, "Is this actually happening?" Is you know, uh, and it was just it was just delightful. It was delightful mm-hmm. in such a in such a like we are friends way. So I'm enjoying beating you finally because I know every time you beat me, you're like, Oh yeah, man, it's all right. Like maybe next time, maybe next time you get a couple more points. I don't know. Like, and I used to just steam over that. Um, so beating him was just, uh, probably, probably the funniest one, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> oh, we had some great times. He was, he was, he was great at, at my wedding. Uh, I mean, he was with, uh, you know, me and my, my Dartmouth friends and, and they all know him very well as well. So it was just, it was just so nice. He's, he's, you know, at the parties with us having a great time. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, it was, it awesome. was great. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm uh, going to wrap it up there, folks. Uh, thank you for tuning in and thank you for, to Chris for, uh, joining in. Yeah, Sean, thank you. This it was, uh, it was fun to do this. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I love talking squash. I'm glad we could talk some Irish as well.